if you have a tax system that dissuades from people actually trying things in the wild, mm-hmm. you're not creating an environment where people are going to invest and, and push forward these innovations. Welcome to Designing the Robot Revolution. In today's episode, we'll look back in history at an example of where automation has been especially challenging. By examining the difficulties that have held back progress in the past, we can learn what mistakes to avoid when creating new solutions. We also learn from good examples of how to gain acceptance from stakeholders or with legislators and spread our ideas to the public. In today's episode, it's all about bricks. Growing up in England, I have a very keen sense of the importance of the brick and its role in modern history. From the Victorian age townhouses to the tall brick chimneys that have marked industrial progress from that time until just recently. So Jacob, one of the areas that we hear about there being a lot of uh, potential for increased automation is in the construction industry. And as you know, we've been researching an upcoming episode about how um, automation and AI is transforming, revolutionizing the construction industry. And I I know from some previous experience, um, I've worked with a a company who make the uh, equipment that makes concrete floors. So if you go into, if you go into, imagine a warehouse or a industrial styled retail store and you have those um very smooth um and polished concrete floors right they are highly skilled in order to make those so beautifully polished and high quality you can make a kind of poor quality concrete floor quite quite easily but to get those high and it's actually a remarkably complicated process and you need um um very specific machinery to do it with these um not just to lay you have to lay the concrete and then you have to polish up right the concrete and one of the problems um as we keep on hearing about is that these these building companies that offer these concrete floors there's a there's a shortage of skilled labor so there are not the amount of people who have that skill that experience to make these floors so so the maker of uh, the machines that make these concrete floors see an opportunity there for autonomous concrete floor, concrete making machines where you don't need a human with the skill and, and competence to go and create it. You can actually fully autonom- autonomously create these floors. Uh, but it's a very complicated process. It, it's, it's still in, in, in development. Yeah, so that's just one example of um, a real need and things being developed for, for that. And then, of course, there's um, the building of houses themselves. Uh, you have huge changes going on there. You know, I think it's increasingly popular in Sweden, actually, to have kind of flat pack homes where you they're pre-prepared, prefabricated, and they can be assembled on site. And that's game-changing, isn't it? Because... It reduces the construction time significantly and it changes what labor is required in order to go and create these homes. But when but when you think back to how how things before the, these recent changes, most homes where, where I grew up in, in uh, the UK, they're, they're brick. 
It's I think everyone gets a very vivid image of how that looks, or many people have seen the English brick house. The from classic like... brick row house. Victorian was um, right. uh, homes. And there's a lot of steps that go into mm. making a brick before it's placed in your wall. You you have to get the raw materials that go into the contents of making a brick. That's literally dug out. They then have to be formed and molded into the right shape. It then has to be dried. It then has to be treated. It then has to be transported to wherever you're building the house, and then you need to do the brick laying. One of the remarkable things about bricks, despite automation being in place for nearly 200 years, is that the price hasn't come down. So this this piqued my interest in 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 bricks. Right, cool. Uh, it was something I never thought I'd find myself getting particularly interested in, but it, I really kind of piqued my interest seeing this. And there, thankfully, maybe unsurprisingly, there's always a niche for everything. There are people who are really enthusiastic about bricks. And one article I found uh, written by Brian Potter. He, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Almost the perfect. Brian Mason would be better. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. Yeah, 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 gotcha. Um, He wrote an article called Bricks and the Industrial Revolution uh, Mm. on his substack, Construction Physics. And he's done the research, he's done the legwork that really goes through the history of brickmaking from 1700s. Uh, earlier through um, the 1800s, which you'll hear is was a really interesting time in brickmaking, particularly in Britain, and and uh, that goes back to all these actually lots of properties still in the UK from from that time up until the modern day. One of the paradoxes, as um, as Brian describes it, of automation within brickmaking, is that it is one of the exceptions whereby the price of bricks was never reduced by automation um but yeah brick 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 laying a brick making not brick laying brick making um was back in the early 1800s every town every city every village would have a brick making place in the center of i guess that's a very central function of a self-contained village where you can't really do import and export you'd need building materials to be made there right yeah you need it to be made there because they're heavy and so the trans it's really difficult to transport them so it was far far better to have every settlement would have their own locally produced bricks whereby you could have everything produced nearby and then go go and be used because then you're cutting out the whole um transportation right and there was so they would be placed near in or near the city center or town center uh, where there was clay which is the substance that um bricks were made for and it would you'd have workers maybe five six people at each of these brick fields and they would take the raw material from the clay they'd mold it and then you have to dry them and then you have to treat them, and then you'd have bricks that then are then taken to be built with. Then there was an explosion of brick-making machine patents 
right. starting in the early 1800s. And the earliest brickmaking machines were focused on this step of, of taking the raw material and molding the bricks. And this was the task that was considered to be the most difficult and required the most skill. So inventors came up with a variety of mechanical arrangements for placing wet clay into these molds. And they were based on these horizontal mounted wheels and fired around with pistons and screws and rollers so that you, you could get these molds put in. And, and they weren't very successful um, right. because there, there were difficulties placing the clay into the molds. And then it's difficult to, for a mechanized machine to get the air out of the bricks. Oh, yeah. So these early um, brick-making machines that, that focused on the actual molding weren't so successful. They weren't able to replicate what was a fairly sophisticated uh, manual process. So that took 30, 40 years to, from the initial machines to actually get that working properly, to get the molding done properly. But by the late 1800s, those machines had been improved sufficient that mechanically made bricks were very common. But even though you now had the ability to do the hard part of making bricks mechanically and and made them available, you weren't now relying on handmade bricks because mm. the machines could make them. The prices still remained high. And similar to the the, the more man-made bricks then? There was very little difference between huh. the price of a man-made brick and a machine-made brick. An example from 1885 was that a price of machine-made bricks was a cost of 17 shillings per thousand, while handmade bricks were just over 19 shillings per thousand. Hmm. So there really wasn't that much of a difference. Part of the big reason for this was that there was tax regimes that right. restricted the innovation in brickmaking in several ways. It calculated on an assumed rate of damage that dis disincentivized experimenting with new methods or machines for brick production. Oh, okay. Because if, a, if an experimental brick machine produced a large number of unusable bricks, the brickmaker would still be taxed on them. So there was not the incentive to try and push these brickmaking machines because you're getting taxed on, on every brick you produce even if 30% of them are faulty. Right. So you wouldn't want um like you wouldn't want to make a machine that makes a million bricks and that in itself is kind of cheap and the but if the down like the the, the discarded ones are very high you still get taxed on the produced amount not the completed amount. Exactly. And as we know these these innovations you might you you have to start off by failing more. Right. And yeah. then through you perfect the process, the machine gets better and optimized and you go from having 30% all the way oh, down. Oh, so you, the, the, the poor guys that wanted to make brick machines, they were taxed even on the prototype machines for the ones that they couldn't use at all. No, well, they would have been, but it's more the brick makers. So if you're a brick maker, there's an example of a brick maker who he had an experimental machine. So it, right. it wasn't. Yeah, it was an it was a version one of the brick making machine, um, and he made one point four million bricks, and two hundred seventy thousand of them were unusable. Right. 
because the machine wasn't perfect. It yeah. was still kind of failing. But he still had to pay tax on that 270000 Right. So the tax system just didn't, wasn't set up to encourage innovation, wasn't set up to encourage mm. machines that weren't perfect, but through, because you can, you, a proof of concept in any, moving away from brick making, right. you can make a proof of concept, fine. You can prove that X can be done by a machine. Yep. But almost all innovations, it's when they get out into the field and they're actually being producing things at scale, that that's where the huge optimization occurs. Right. But if you have a tax system that dissuades from people actually trying things in the wild, mm-hmm. you're not creating an environment where people are going to invest and, and push forward these innovations. The other thing, there was regulations that said that bricks had to be inspected during the drying process. Mm-hmm. Now, when bricks were made manually, a drying process was required. So the, the regulation had been established on the, on the basis of when bricks were made manually. But when bricks were made mechanically, there isn't a defined, there isn't necessarily a defined drying part of the process. But the regulation hadn't caught up. So even though they no longer had that step. Oh, you have to interrupt the process, lay them out to be drying, even though that might not be the most optimal way for your machine to do it. So therefore that would add like a really costly step because the bricks are, as we said earlier, really heavy and kind of cumbersome. And if we're talking hundreds of thousands of bricks, that is not a fun part of your day. No. And now a short musical break. After that, a summary of what we've heard so far and an exploration of the implications of this. What can we learn from this example? Before we continue, I just have one thing to ask from you. If you like this show, please share it with someone that you think would really like it. Thank you. So, so to circle back on those two things, you had initially the process was, it was, just, it was, it was replacing a, a skilled manual job. And the first machines found it harder uh, than, than hoped for in order to create these molded bricks. Mm. But over time, there were improvements. And eventually we got there, but we didn't get there as quickly because the system around brick making was set up so as not to encourage early innovators mm. to push forward because it, it created too much risk for them because of the way that bricks were taxed. And the regulations around bricks were such that were designed for manual processes that made it unworkable economically. Yeah, specific manual process as well. Yeah. So you couldn't really innovate the process. Oh, that's not good. That, that, that makes it very difficult. So I think there are lessons here for... Yeah. This is specific a journey, of a, a painful and slow journey of brick mechanization. But we see lessons here for other innovations. Oh, for sure. I think uh, if I can like start with my initial thought on that is that the, the whole looking at the whole process thing, that's something that I see and I, I, I'm 
I'm sure that you do as well. In whenever there's a an effort to pro, to 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 pro, like make innovation or automation in an area where it's really difficult sometimes to look at processes, especially today, if we look at digital, it can be hard to identify what all the process steps are. It's not always as clear cut as put clay in uh, mold and and then go to the next step. It, it can be very difficult and sometimes really complex to make this, but I think it's it's a good reminder that we should actually visualize the processes. We should make sure that we understand the processes in and around the activities that we want to automate because we might miss opportunities otherwise. I think that's a really solid advice. And I think it's something we'll get back to time and time again, that understanding the process and visualizing the processes is, is a really important part of innovating and automating. Yeah, it's 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 systems thinking, isn't it? So, right there's the there's the I, I think it's a very strong visualization of because there's that very there's that one brick in the wall, mm. and then you zoom out from the, that one brick and staying within the process of of brick building, and you can see that actually for that brick to get into the wall, there's all of those proce- those steps in the process from getting the clay out of the ground that lead right. then across many steps to that brick being in the wall. And then you can go forward from that brick being in, in the wall into, for example, maintenance and how it's maintained and the structure's maintained. So you, you zoom out on that process. Then you need to overlay on that process the many systems mm. that relate for tax being a good one. Tax system is a very good one. That interrelate with with that brick making process, uh, and and it will be different systems at different parts of the process. You might have yeah. one part of the tax regime relates to clay, and another relates to the bricklayer who's putting it in there. I think it's it's important for legislators to think about this as well. How much effect their well intentioned laws can have on innovation if we're not careful, uh, and the importance of I guess entrepreneurs and lawmakers to work together and and talk about this, have the discussion about how are different ways of taxing uh, both, I guess, labor and automation and and everything in between um, in different domains can actually affect how we are able to progress. And I think that's that's an important question. And for innovators who are often often subject matter experts, engineers within their very specified field. That perspective needs to be broadened to include perspectives that sit outside of their subject matter expert field. And whilst the subject matter expertise is is the core of the invention, a successful invention or innovation needs to take into account areas that are beyond their expertise. And so that's, yeah. The, the other final thing about um, bricks is, um, that I think is really intriguing around why then if this, it did, if mechanization didn't make bricks less expensive, mm-hmm. why did brick production mechanize at all? That's a very good question because that seems unnecessary, right? 
and and part of the answer is that there was increased demand for bricks and there just wasn't the labor there wasn't the skilled labor able to create the bricks for that increased production so i think this is interesting when you think of again this is bricks as an example for other other types of innovations what happens when demand for a market or a particular type of product or service just increases exponentially mm. something that's done manually today and is say in in smaller volumes as that those volumes increase that increase in demand can by itself be the reason for automation even if right. it's more it could be even even if it's more expensive even if the quality is not as good and often often we talk about um the benefits of automation and and they're summarized as most common advantages of automation are that you streamline everyday tasks you Im- improve the quality of those tasks mm-hmm. enable sustainability reduce costs but actually those are common motivations for automation but actually there can be a necessity for automation right when de- demand cannot be met by manual right. at all, what do you do? I mean, if you extrapolate, you don't see handmade bricks day to day nowadays. Like a new house doesn't have handmade bricks in it because it doesn't really work that way. It, and that is, I guess, in part because it's too expensive as well. Yeah. You, 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 so maybe that was true. When, when demand was at a manageable level, when the innovation was taking place, that was true. But, but nowadays, I, I would imagine that like building a school out of handmade bricks in Sweden would be extremely expensive, like not even feasible. I love the example of brick making as a, something that we can look at to understand an automation process. Uh, and and if we're able to apply that to other examples, I think we. Uh, no, I, I, it's definitely the case that these principles are uh, are are more generic than just for brickmaking. And I think uh, it's it's a good thing to collect. I think we should definitely keep a lookout for more examples of automation done well or otherwise, and talk about it and see how these principles apply particularly when we've had the benefits of seeing this over 200 years mm. and I, I think it's really important to 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 not to, to gain the benefit from automation not being a, a recent thing that the, 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 these innovations have been happening this is 200 yep. years ago and it failed for decades because of things like the regulatory system and the tax system yeah um, we don't need to make those mistakes again when we're innovating things in the modern age and that those could be phys- very physical things like bricks or totally digital services that have no physical manifestation at all. Right. There's lessons to be learned and, th- and, and things uh, we, can, we can take for, for things we're doing today. Fantastic. So, to our listeners, if you have any examples of 
automation done through history uh, that you would like for us to explore, please write to us on LinkedIn at David Griffith Jones or Jacob Magnell, or you can send a message directly to Designing the Robot Revolutions uh, page on LinkedIn. That is Designing the Robot Revolution. Have you ever watched a bricklayer do the work? I have been building a, a, a fairly sizable brick wall the last year uh, and a root cellar made of, of not bricks, but like these cinder blocks. Uh, so I, I know about the process, but I'm not very, I'm not a high skilled brick layer. When you watch a highly skilled bricklayer making yeah, a wall, it's, it's meditative, it's transfixing. Yeah. They've got this flow every, and it's they just with a flick of the wrist, they yeah. give it the perfect amount of mortar. It's all perfectly neat. And if you go past a um, a wall, I'm not making any criticism of your wall, Jacob. And, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful, but you you can spot when it's done by an amateur. I mean, oh, it's a yeah. highly skilled um, role. Back. So anyway, the next step would be to actually create a um, take that through to the actual laying of the bricks in the sense of creating the All wall. Right, yeah. Which there, there are um, some machines that do that as well. And I mean, inside of that, you have other steps such as bringing the brick to the brick layer and putting down. Uh, the brick on top of the concrete and like you, you have all these steps in, in that process and maybe you want to automate some of them and not all of them exactly but again this emphasizes the point of when you're looking for opportunities within automation it comes up time and time again the opportunities happen from looking at the overall process going further earlier mm. in the process going later in the process and it's seeing them as individual tasks and, and how they can be done. 